Hey everybody, I am Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, we are one week away from the Uncharted Staff Drama Conference. If you're like, oh crap, that's next week, I have to get my tickets. I'm sorry, Cletus, you are a little bit late. We have closed the doors, but still got you covered. UnchartedVet.com, you can become an Uncharted member, and you can watch the live stream. We'll be live streaming the main stage. We'll also be filming the workshops and dropping them into our online school. We will have our ongoing Uncharted intensive courses throughout the year. We have weekly uh, group discussions. We have office hours. We have uh, coffee chats. We have culture clubs. These are all meetups that we do in Uncharted to support practices that are wrestling with different problems and challenges, and you will get to be a part of all of that. UnchartedVet.com. Become a member today. Don't miss the excitement of the live conference happening next week. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie working 9 to 5.30 and 10 to 1 on Saturday's Goss. <laughs> that was a oh. less popular version of the original song. I love it. I love it. That was, that was fantastic. That was fantastic. How's it going, Andy? How's Man, summer treating you? It's good. It's good summer. I am having uh, having a good time getting ready. Kids getting ready to go back to school before long. It's oh, coming together. It is not that time already. It really is. Yeah. It's it's yeah. We're oh, in man. we're in August now. They're they're going they're going back soon. Holy cow. I I have another whole month and a few days of summer with the kids and I am so thankful that we do not go back to school until after Labor Day because I am not ready for summer to be done on one well, hand. I, I say I've mixed emotions. <laughs> off to school. Yes, I am. I love them. Now go away until 4 p.m. at least. And I'll <laughs> get some work done. <laughs> yeah. And I'll actually get some stuff accomplished today. Oh, um, man. On the other hand, I am ready a little bit for the insanity in the clinic to die down a little bit. I don't I don't know about things at Cleveland Park, but holy guacamole over here it has been absolutely insane and it is summer season full tilt. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 across the country for sure. Summer summer is hard. We all have these these surges. One of the most common questions that we get asked is uh, about scheduling. And there's a bunch of different questions on scheduling. And so I thought you and I might just go ahead and lay down our basic our our basic scheduling 101 mm-hmm. approach in this podcast. And we'll, let's not get too deep on how long appointments should be. We, we'll talk about it. But that by itself, I think, could be a whole episode of deciding appointment length, especially if you've got different doctors that want different appointment lengths or that do better and different. So and that we can just really get bogged down in the weeds there. So I just want to say that up front. We'll talk a little bit about the length of appointment time, but mostly let's talk about laying in the appointments that we have and, and how to do it so that we're not so stressed and um, so that we have some flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too is that um, I think we have a lot of conversations about this kind of stuff in the Uncharted community. And I know we have um, an online class that we have done about scheduling. And so if what we talk about today interests you and you do want to go more in depth, we've got some opportunities in the Uncharted community for you to be able to do that with us if you yeah. are a member. So yeah. we've got a great class. Dr. Saya Clement uh, teaches this class on scheduling. Uh, she lays it out. We show, she shows you her appointment scheduler. Um, she'll work with you on your appointment schedule. So whenever we do classes at Uncharted, just so you know, they're not just webinars. So generally we do, uh, we'll do some presentations and they have varying length depending on what we're doing, but generally 30 to 60 minute sort of presentation. There's handouts that go with that walk through, show you everything. And then we have discussion groups. So we have small groups that meet up and talk to you about your system and what you're doing and compare notes. And it, it really is a community the whole way. So I don't want people to think that when you think about if we talk about an uncharted class, if we call it a course or we call it an intensive. What we are talking is a combination of video, 
um, of presentation and then very much um, video calls and small group discussion groups and really working uh, individually with the practices that are there. So that that's what we get into. If you're like, oh, man, that sounds amazing. Check out Uncharted. Um, if you register right away, not only will you have access to those types of courses that we already have, we've got other courses coming up soon, and we'll be live streaming the main stage of our staff drama conference, which is August 21st in Kansas City. And so you would get to watch uh, and have some watch parties of the main stage as they come in and stream into our live community. And then also we'll have a bunch of the workshops will be filmed and those will be going into our online school and you'll have access to all of that stuff. So a lot of stuff going on. It's a great time to jump in uh, with an annual membership. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, um, I think when you and I started talking about how do you handle scheduling or, or the summer insanity um, from a scheduling perspective, I think that there are, are five pieces of how do you actually logistically schedule that we want to talk about. But before that, I think as we kind of do, I think it's important for us to talk about um, some of the headspace stuff and some of the, how do you, how do you philosophically approach scheduling in your practice before we get into some of the um, logistics options that you should probably look at. Right. Definitely. I always, I think headspace always, let's always talk, talk about where we're, what we're trying to do and, and, and how, how we need to get sort of emotionally to really figure these things out. Um, if you listened last week to when we talked about the managers getting pulled up to the front desk, you heard some of this stuff because we're essentially we're talking about being overrun. And I think the headspace of being overrun is, is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. So things that I'll throw up from last week that we talked about is one of my big things that I say a lot, a lot, a lot is if you're being surprised again and again at some point, it's not a surprise anymore. It's your business model. Which means if every day you are jammed up and people are not going home on time and the last two hours of your day are complete pandemonium, at some point you don't have the right to be surprised by that anymore. That is your business model. Like that is how your thing is set up. And it's not bad. And if you're okay with it and your staff is okay with it, then that's just how you run your business. If you're not okay with it, I find it to be very healthy and productive to say, okay, this is how my business functions. I'm going to make some changes so that my business doesn't do this. And I don't get stuck here two nights a week uh, until the middle of the night. I'm not okay with that. I don't, I want it to end. And so I'm going to be empowered and I'm going to change it. So if you're surprised again and again, if you, if you call your spouse and be like, honey, I, you know, just, I'm stuck at the clinic. And your spouse is like, of course you're stuck at the clinic. You're always stuck at the clinic. You never come home for dinner. Uh, Again, that's between you and your spouse. But you should own it as the business model that you work in. Well, and I think on the flip side of that, you have to think about your your clients too. Like if your wait time, if you're always running a half hour, an hour, two hours behind, um, at some point that has become your business model and you have to decide how are you going to deal with the client complaints that inevitably happen? At some point, you train your clients and they they will recognize that that is your business model and that when they come in, they, they might have weight and they may be absolutely okay with that. But for a lot of us, it's having the conversation in that hard space in the middle where, I, like as a manager, I'm dealing with the client complaints. And they're like, dude, every time I come in, I got to wait a half hour. The doctor's never on time. What is going on? There are days where, sure, the emergency does walk in the door and S just hits a fan and that's the way that it's going to be. But when that happens every single day, or even if it's a seasonal thing, like right now during summer, we ha- you, you're going to have longer than normal wait times when your schedule is absolutely jammed full. Even if it's a seasonal thing, you have to address it from the client perspective of it of it kind of being your business model. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Are you Are you a convenient place to get in and out of? Or are you a place that takes three hours to come to if you're a pet owner? Um, That's, that's, uh, again, you can get away with, with it one time somebody comes or people come in and, and you had an emergency and you're running behind. I think people expect that in medicine, but at some point it becomes how people know you. And so. And I think another, another thing that you talked about last week that is really important and ties directly into that is I, I think it's a dangerous trap for practices to fall into when you have the need to see more pets than you have the capacity to see in order for you to stay in business. Um, and I think you said then, then your practice is actually dying, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. 
if your practice needs to see more pets than you have the capacity to see so that you can stay in business, then your practice is destined to fail. And I don't mean that to be cold or nasty, but it's amazing how many people are working beyond capacity. They're like, we have to see all the pets. Everybody who calls has to get in today. At some point, you have a, you have a limited number of seconds in a day. You have a limited number of people working in your practice. They have a limited number, uh, a limited amount of mental energy and and cognitive focus that they can give to you. At some point, there is a finite number of pets that you can see and provide to them the standard of care that you think is acceptable and appropriate. That that is a fixed number. It's a finite number. If you need to see more pets than that in order for your business to stay open, then you have a fundamental problem in your business. Don't, and don't panic. If that, I, I put this out there and guys, a lot of people are this way. A lot of people are like, we cannot turn pet owners away. We can't. Yeah. Guys, we just need to adjust your prices a bit. If you are so slammed that you can't do all the work that's coming at you, the basic economic principle is you, you need to raise your prices and and pet owner, uh, practice owners say, but Andy, then some people will leave. And I'll say, okay, so now what you're saying is that you'll make more money per appointment and you'll see fewer appointments and you won't feel stressed out. Mm-hmm. I don't understand where the loss is here, you yeah. know, and, and we all hate to lose clients or have people. We want to be all things to all people. That's mm-hmm. just not possible. It's not going to happen. And so when we talk about scheduling, there is no magic scheduling situation that's going to let you see all the pets yeah. in the world. You know, yeah. if all your clients show up on one day, you're not seeing them. And yeah. so just just own that and say, okay, now that I know I cannot see all of the pets, I'm going to go ahead and own that. And now I'm going to start making rational decisions about how many pets I can see and also making good, smart decisions about pricing and what we need to charge so that this business works and makes sense. Well, and I think where I see this as a manager come up a lot is this time of year when doctors take vacation. And I think all of us know how hard it can be to get to get locum or relief help. And so when when our business model exists based off of having two doctors in our practice, let's say, um, you know, four days a week, and then one of my doctors goes on a two or three week vacation, well, now my business model has to change because the reality is I cannot have one doctor see the caseload of that two doctors normally see in a four-day work week. It is just not physically or humanly possible. And so I think that there's things that we can do to manage those expectations up front and certainly things that we can do from a scheduling perspective to help deal with that. But I think that is a trap that we often fall into is like, oh yeah, we're just going to keep going full tilt. Like we've got two or three doctors here, but we've only got one or two. Like that is a recipe for burnout, not only for your doctors, but for your team as well. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to your team. Yeah, I agree. That's, um, that is a short term solution that has long term problems behind it. Yeah. So, so don't do it. Just, you, you gotta, you, we just, you gotta be realistic. All right. So let's get into that. Let's get into, um, Let's first, let's start talking about scheduling, and then we'll talk a little bit about communication when we don't have capacity. Okay. So lay lay out our blocks. Okay. So our, our big blocks um, that we want to talk about are the concept of flexible scheduling. So how, how do you schedule your appointments? How long are they? What types of appointments do you schedule? The concept of emergency blocks. So making sure that you have space for the emergency the walk-in or catch-up blocks. So um, when are you handling the walk-in appointments? When are you handling catching up, writing records, making phone calls, doing the 10 million other things that need to happen in the course of the day? Um, the idea of utilizing the drop-off concept. And then what are your ER protocols and and or what is your protocol as practice for when you have reached that critical mass and you do not have the ability to see any more pets and you are all things to all people, um, what are you gonna what are you gonna do so that those people do get someone who can help them if you cannot? Cool. All right, let's start with uh with flex scheduling. What do you mean what do you mean when you say that? So I think um there is there are several ways that you approach your appointment schedule. And so I know some of my colleagues operate on 
15 minute appointments um, schedules and every 15 minutes they've got a new patient coming in for the same doctor. I know lots of practices operate on a 30 minute um, appointment schedule. There are even some practices that operate on a 60 minute uh, 45 or 60 minute set schedule. So every 45 minutes, that's how long their appointment schedule is. There also are clinics that operate on the concept of flex scheduling, which means that they look at the reason that a patient is coming in or the presenting problem or problems and figure out a best guesstimate before that pet walks in the door of how much time this appointment should take. And they are flexibly scheduling the appointments around each other to build a schedule that is more cohesive and potentially allows you to see far more patients in the course of a day than operating on a fixed schedule. Right. I just want to say right here, there's not a right answer as yes. to which one to choose. What? So what we're talking about when we start talking about scheduling, this is what I said at the very beginning. I don't want to get too deep in this. It depends entirely on um, your practice model. Are yes. you a high volume, low cost practice? Well, then you're not going to be doing hour long appointments. Mm -hmm. Are you super um, high touch white glove, you concierge know, practice. concierge practice? Then you're not doing 15 minute appointments. Right. You can't be all things to all people and how you schedule appointments, honestly, is, is a sign of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so, so we're not going to get too much into that here. I think I like unpacking the the flex scheduling a little bit just so it, it kind of makes some more sense. I'll tell you from from my own practice experiences, um, I have run flex, flex, flex God, I'm struggling with it. Flip, flip, flop, I've run flippity floppity schedules um, <laughs> many times. We've had stuff where um, new clients get an hour long mm -hmm. appointment mm -hmm. and um, and regular appointments, sick appointments are 40 minutes and wellness appointments are 20 minutes. Right. And, and so that is just one example of flex scheduling. This is the, the one that, that, that I've run in, in practices before and people go, Oh my gosh, an hour long appointment uh, for new clients. Those are the clients who are most likely to no show. So now you're taking this gamble. And that goes back to my point of, it really depends on your practice. The practice where I was doing that, we had a very busy practice and people would walk in. And so even if I got stuck, with a, a one hour no show, mm -hmm. I could I could hit hit up drop offs. I can grab uh, walk in appointments. Mm -hmm. I can do all of those types of things. And hopefully the um, the front desk tried to guide the new client to maybe not be my first appointment of the day. But maybe put it later in the day when the team is more likely to need a break. Or knowing that even though I book an hour for a new client, I may have a client who wants to get in and out. And so if I know that I have walk-ins, I have drop-offs, I have things like that, that type of scheduling of saying, Andy's probably going to get done well before an hour. Maybe not. Maybe he's going to take his time, but he's probably going to get done, which means he'll probably be free to help us dig out from under walk-ins or, or, or surprises. Yeah. And I, I think the reason for me that I wanted us to talk a little bit about flex scheduling is because I feel like even if it's not your... Um, practice model to use flex scheduling. Flex scheduling can really come in handy during the the summer crazies. And um, because if you're running off of a fixed appointment schedule, meaning that you're doing 15-minute appointments, 30-minute appointments, however long your fixed time frame is, but everybody gets the same amount of time, you also can look at your schedule and look at the reasons that patients are coming in and try and guess, like you said, um, the those spots, uh, like the one you mentioned, where a new client, if you have a half hour set aside for it, is it really going to take that half hour? Is the dental recheck, um, you know, that, that really needed to see the doctor that has a half hour booked on the schedule, is that really going to take a half hour? Or maybe could I double book that slot because I have a sick pet that needs to get in now and I don't, I want to give them a good time frame. I don't want them just showing up and waiting in my lobby for two hours. So I'd like to guide them to a time where I think that it might be possible for us to kind of squeeze them in, in between patients. I mean, my, my, um, my own doctor's office does this all the time. 
you know, alcohol and I'll be sick and they'll be like, well, we're really, we're totally full, but I've got a slot at two o'clock where he should be finishing up early. So why don't you come in? You're going to have to wait, but we'll, we'll get you squeezed in in between those two patients as soon as we can. I think that that use of flex scheduling can help anyone, even if you don't practice normally a flex scheduling concept in your practice. Yeah. And I just want to point out in the example that you gave, and we'll come back to this later on, setting clear expectations is fantastic. You know, saying, not saying, oh, we can get you in at two when we're actually double booking them. Saying, we're totally full. Yeah. But I think I might be able to, you may have to have some patience, but I think I can get you in at two o'clock with minimal weight. That is very different from saying, all right, well, you know what? We can see you at two. Yes. You are setting yourself up for success in one regard and failure in the other. But we are going to come back to talk about setting expectations because that is key part of scheduling. Yeah, absolutely. I just, absolutely. I love that example and the way you laid it out. I was like, let's, I just want to put my finger on well, this before we go away. I mean, I think it's worth it. Let's, let's talk about it now. I mean, I, that, that was the piece that was not a part of one of the scheduling blocks, but I think that both you and I agree upon is that it is so key when you're talking about scheduling, regardless of how you're doing it, that you have to set expectations both for your clients and for your team. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So let me just give you one of my maxims for practice. So one of my core beliefs, that, things that I say all the time, people do not get upset about what you give to them. They get upset about the difference between what they got and what they expected to get. That is so important in anything in communication. People do not react to what you do for them. They react to the difference between what you did and what they thought you are going to do. And so you have got to control what they think is going to happen. And I say this, you know, imagine that you walk into a, um, into a, um, into a restaurant and they say, all right, great. Well, we'll, uh, let you know about table, uh, when it's available. And then they let, they let you sit there for 45 minutes. Are you happy about that? Probably not. You're probably like, I sat here for 45 minutes. What if you walk into that same restaurant and they say, well, so we're running about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes uh, wait time. Would you like to wait? And you say, yes. And then they take you back after 45 minutes. You're like, oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Much better than I thought that that, I say that from, that's a a restaurant that I was in uh, over the weekend did exactly that. They were like, oh, we're 45 minutes to an hour at 25 minutes. They came and got us for a table and I was thrilled. I was so happy with my 25 minute wait. Why? Because they controlled my expectations. And so anyway, I talk a lot about expectations. I, I just think in exam room communication is so important. It is so important when we're scheduling these appointments. If people think that getting an appointment means they're going to walk right in and be seen, and then they walk right in and then they wait for 90 minutes, that's a problem. If they, um, if they think that they have a clear appointment at 2 p.m., and in reality, they're double booked at 2 p.m. and we are working them in, you have two options. You can just tell them, we'll see you at two. And then you hope and pray that everything goes as smoothly as it could possibly go. And if it does go as smoothly as it could possibly go, do you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing. You do not impress this person. They are completely unaware that you moved heaven and earth for them. They Mm -hmm. do not. They do not realize it. If you fail, however, to move heaven and earth, if it is not the perfect scenario, Mm -hmm. then they're upset. They're upset because they thought they were going to get right in and they didn't. And so you got two options. You can just say, come in at two, or you can set yourself up for success, which is we are fully booked, but I really want to try to accommodate you. I think I can get you in around two. You may have a little bit of a wait. Do you still want, do you want to come in then? And then when they come in at two and I move heaven and earth and things work out perfectly and I get them right in, what do I get? I get a grateful client who's amazed that we were able to work them in when she knows how full we were. Mm-hmm. That's setting and, expectations. And I think that that ties directly into something else that you and I agree um, 100% on, which is the concept of framing and how we talk to how we talk to clients. And I think that that's so important in terms of setting the expectation for your clients so that you can exceed them. You have to frame things for them. I, a lot of times I think we hear things framed, particularly at the front desk. And so for our, for our front desk team members who are listening to this, you might feel a little thrown under the bus here for a second, but hang in there with us. Cause I promise there's a point to this. I have often heard front desk team members 
tell people what they can't do for them. So, you know, I'm really sorry, Mrs. Jones. I can't get you in for a week. You know, we've got a doctor out on vacation. It's just super crazy. So we can't, we can't see you until next Wednesday. That for a client um, feels like right off the bat, you're, you are making their life more difficult. <laughs> it right. feels frustrating to hear that, right? It feels like you're failing. You're mm-hmm. telling them what you can't do. Mm-hmm. Don't tell pet owners what you can't do. Yeah. Tell, tell them what you can do. Yeah. Say they call and say, Hey, I need to get a uh, skipper in for shots. Great. I have an appointment next Wednesday. Would that work for your schedule? You yep. say, we're just talking about vaccines. Great. That that's it. I'm not going to say, oh, I am so sorry. I, um, I'm a bad person and our clinic is a crappy, it's, it's a, it's a dump. Uh, we are unable to accommodate even a vaccine appointment until next Wednesday. I am so sorry. Like that's negative framing. That's ridiculous. No, just don't tell me what you can't do. It's amazing. People say, uh, they'll call and say, Oh, my, um, my dog is, um, my dog, he's just been, uh, he's been, he's been itchy. I say, ah, well, I can't get you in this afternoon. I can get you in tomorrow morning. That that's, that's like, it's just, it's just letting them down. It's like, it's reminding them that there is a possibility that they could be seen immediately, but that we're not doing that for them. <laughs> right. So, right. You don't say that. So they, they call, they got the itchy dog. You say, great. I have good news. I can get you in first thing tomorrow morning. How does that sound? Or would, would you be available at nine or 10 AM? Mm-hmm. Tell them what you can do. Don't tell them what you can't do. Even if you've got your vet out on appointment. So you gave them a harder one earlier. So let's say that we had, um, we were say we generally have two vets on seeing appointments, but we've got a vet that's on vacation and we couldn't get, uh, couldn't get relief work. Uh, so we've got one vet instead of being like, Hey, look, I'm really sorry. We've only got one veterinarian this week. Mm-hmm. If they just called to get vaccine, just say, great, good news. I can get you in first of next week. How does yeah. Monday look for you? And don't justify what you can't do. Don't even, don't even introduce that because most pet owners, they, they haven't even thought of that. All they think right. is I need to get a vaccine. Like they're not even thinking about the idea that it would be today. In fact, honestly, they're probably thinking that, you know, sometime in the next you know, week or two, I just got to get this done. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them what you can't do. Just tell them what you can yeah. And I think that this is something that requires, um, it requires practice to feel comfortable and confident. And a lot of times this is, this is where I see my front desk teams struggle. Um, and it does require practice. It requires getting comfortable so that you sound confident. And a lot of times I see, particularly my introverted um, CSRs struggle with this, the idea that you can, you can, tell the client what to do. Like, even if you have, you know, that, that demanding client, Mrs. Smith is on the phone and she's like, oh, well, but I need, I need vaccines and I need them today because, you know, Teddy's going to be boarded tomorrow and I've left it until the last minute. And now all of a sudden that vaccine appointment is an emergency for the client. It is okay to, um, to handle those clients and tell them what you can do for them, even if you're not, able to meet their needs or their expectations, but having those harder conversations totally requires practice. It requires practice for the easy ones. Like you said, the client who's like, yeah, I got a postcard reminder. I need to come in. They're probably thinking in their head, yeah, they might probably have a space for me in the next couple of weeks. So if you tell Mrs. Jones, I could get you in on Friday at 9am, would that work for you? She's going to be super excited. That requires practice and it requires knowing how to say and what to say and how to say it. And I hate to say it because I know that so many of our teams out there moan and groan the second you bring up the idea of role-playing. But if you practice as a team, being the client and being the, the CSR, and how do you handle those phone calls? How do you handle the client who walks in and says, you know, on a super busy day and says, oh, well, I, you know, I just figured you guys could see us and, you know, Fluffy's been limping for two weeks. And and so what do you mean you can't see me right, right this second? There has to be a plan in place and that requires practice and it requires knowing what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. Cool. I agree. And I always jump in and say this. Don't call it role play because your staff will freak out. Call it (laughs) practicing what we're going to say. Like, let's practice what we're going to say. I love it. It's it's so dumb. 
But I promise you people's attitudes are different. All right, let's it. roll on. So the- uh, we talked about flex scheduling uh, as, as an option of figuring out. Uh, and again, this does require, let's be upfront. This requires training. It requires a front desk staff that, that knows what's up and can, uh, and that has some common sense. And, and that's, uh, that's an important part of this. So flex schedule, it does require some training, but it is an easy way, obviously, to m- be more efficient in your scheduling in your day. Mm-hmm. Emergency blocks. Yeah. Now, at, at Uncharted, we talk about these a lot. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Clements. Uh, I'll sort of lay it out the way that she lays it out because she teaches the course for us. Um, emergency blocks are blocks that stay shaded out until a certain amount of time before uh, before we get to them. So yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, uh, let's say that emergency blocks, let's say that our practice, an emergency block can only be filled within four hours of it happening. Uh-huh. And so if I have an emergency block at 2 p.m. on my schedule, what that means is that that is going to stay shaded and closed off until 10 a.m., Right. Anyone who calls before 10 a.m. or let's just say that um, anyone who calls before 10 a.m., I'm going to try to put them into other slots. Mm -hmm. And then only after either all the other slots are full or um, or we are within a couple of hours, only then will I open that block up. What is the point? What is the reason? It's so that I have I know that I have if if I know emergencies are going to come. I might as well hold space for them, even yeah. if that means turning away wellness stuff, right? Or yes. not emergent sick appointments. Yes. The idea is just this. If you just have a wide open schedule and you know that emergencies are going to happen, and yet you fill your entire day with wellness visits, you're just setting yourself up just to have a full day of wellness visits and emergencies coming on top of them. Mm-hmm. If you know that there's going to be some walk-ins, there's going to be emergencies. Why not hold some spots and not put wellness stuff in there so that you can absorb those in a systematic way when they come in? Yeah. That's the emergency blocks. Yeah. I think in a lot of practice, it, a lot of practices um, might call it a, a book same day or a same day only spot. And they're, they're consistent block offs in your schedule that you're holding. And um, most commonly in the practices that I've worked in, the the concept is you can't pre-book them and then within 24 to 48 hours of getting to that day, then it's up for grabs. But what it's up for grabs for is only sick pet appointments. So if it's Mrs. Jones is calling because she needs to come in for her annual wellness visit, that's that's not an example. But if it's I, if I have a spot for Wednesday and Mrs. Jones calls on Monday and is like, you know, Fluffy's having some you know, super, her ears smell super funky and it looks like there's some discharge coming out of there and you don't have any spots on Monday or Tuesday. That's the perfect example to look at one of those books, same day spots for Wednesday and say, you know what, Mrs. Jones, I can get you in first thing Wednesday morning at nine o'clock. We can take a look and see what's going on in that ear. If you really feel like anything changes or it's getting severely worse between now and then, um, you know, I just want to make sure you have the contact information for our local emergency hospital because they can get you in anytime 24-7. Otherwise, we'll go ahead and see you first thing at 9 o'clock on Wednesday morning. Um, And I think that that's a super basic thing that any practice can do in the concept of setting a certain time frame days out. A lot of practices struggle with the concept like Dr. Clement's practice does within certain number of hours because it requires a front desk team that is thinking more globally with how they do their schedule. And that that can be a hard shift for a lot of practices to manage. So even having something simple as you have a certain number of days that within that 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 time frame, they can go ahead and take it and you've set the parameters for what they're going to take it with. And I think that your your point, Andy, about not scheduling the wellness appointments is is a big one. And I think it goes back to the other like kind of headspace thing that that we hadn't talked about yet, which was the concept of booking out in advance and not being afraid to do it, particularly for the wellness stuff. Yeah. It's amazing how many veterinarians or vet clinics have this real firm belief that if someone wants to get the vaccines updated for their pet, that we're letting them down if we can't get them in within three days. You know? And I, I now there will be some people who, when you say, oh, you know what, we, I can see you 
Uh, how does the 24th look? And that's two weeks away. There will be some people who say, I'm actually I'm going out of town. And I need to board my dog. Right. And he needs to have his vaccines. And those people, obviously, they have a time constraint and they need to be pushed up. The, and they will tell you that. They will say, you know, um, that, that they have this, especially if you ask them, is that okay? Um, mm-hmm. Or does that date work for you? Don't be afraid to push people beyond 48 hours to 72 hours if they just want to get their vaccines updated. Yeah. And don't that on yourself if you don't have to. Just don't feel that obligation. For sure. If if they're not going to board, it's not truly an emergency when they need their vaccines updated. Right. Totally. So what else have we got? So I think um, one of the other things we haven't talked about is um, the idea of drop-offs. And I think for a lot of clinics, that's a totally underutilized tool in terms of scheduling. Um, I think just because a lot of um, practices don't have a plan or a mechanism in place to utilize drop-offs. I agree with that. I would go further. I would say that most practices kind of freestyle drop-offs. It's like, mm. oh, yeah, just give them to us and we'll make some stuff happen. And I think a lot of places, we'll, we'll take them and we'll do them. I think that we don't have a clear system for really handling drop-offs, and we mm-hmm. should because we do enough of them, I think, uh, on a general basis. But the other thing I would say we could go further, I think you should have a show-stopping marketing mechanism that goes with marketing communication mechanism that goes with your drop-offs, right? So I go around and I talk to people all over the world about exam room technique and communicating in the exam room. And a lot of these people just crush it. And we build this system. We have these techniques and we put on the show when we provide the experience, when people are in the exam room Mm -hmm. and we have the pet and not the owner. We're like, Oh, well, guess that stuff's out of the, out the window. And, and then, you know, and then we, and we go and you go from delivering an 11 on the quality scale when the client's in the room to a two on the quality scale when they drop off. And the Mm -hmm. disparity between the experience they have is radical. And the way I guess I sort of think about it is like, if you went to the Ritz Carlton and you stayed there as a guest, you'd expect to have a certain experience as a guest at the Ritz Carlton. Mm-hmm. If you did some other type of experience, like say that you were going to put on a, a CE meeting for your local VMA at the Ritz Carlton, you would expect to have that amazing Ritz Carlton experience in a different way while you're putting on a meeting there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like for a lot of vet clinics, we put on the Ritz Carlton experience in the exam room and then we do the Holiday Inn Express when people drop off. And so I'm saying bring plan on those drop offs and then bring that standard up to where your exam room also uh, matches up with the experience they're going to have as a drop off. So great communication. You know, we're definitely going to send home the information for God's sakes. If there's ever a reason to use report cards and I love report cards all the time, man, they need to go home with the report cards. We need to try to convince these people that we actually did a thing that they weren't there for. Yeah. And they go home and they feel like they got their money's worth, even though they didn't see it. That is tricky. And so the answer is not to just lean away from it. The answer is to really lean into it. And maybe we need to do quick discharge appointments with the technicians, which I totally believe in. I'm not saying the doctor has to be there to discharge because we may not know when this person's coming back in. But our technicians is another way to leverage them is they go with the with the discharge report, with the with the report card. And they run through everything that was done. They take any questions that need to be uh, asked. They really make the client feel like they got the service in a convenient way. Mm-hmm. Not that they got the 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 B squad uh, service. You know? <laughs> totally. And I think part of um, the reason why often we do drop offs is because the doctors um, are at a capacity in terms of of what they can do from a client facing perspective. The reason that we're doing a drop off is because they cannot go into one more exam room. They cannot possibly pick up the phone and have one more call with a client. And so we really are reliant on the rest of the team to make sure that drop offs go smoothly. And I think that that is often um, a space where, like you said, we, we struggle as a team because the doctors do their part, the patients in the treatment room, and they take care of the medicine side of it. But what is done for that patient is not always communicated um, 
gracefully and with that same white glove experience, like you said, that we would if we were in the exam room. And so I think it's a it's an area where we can leverage other members of the team. I love the idea of doing um, technician discharges. I think that if you have technicians that are comfortable with client communication, there is absolutely no reason why that technician discharge cannot be just as effective and sometimes even more powerful than the client seeing the doctor at the end of the day, because the technicians are the ones who have been working with that patient. They've been monitoring them. They have the ability to make the client feel that although they drop their pet off and although that they probably know part of the reason why they have dropped off is because your schedule is completely full and the doctor is at capacity, that they have a sense that the doctor has still provided that utmost care for their patient. They get that from the experience and the interaction with the tech team. And that's an area where you can really utilize them and leverage them to do a lot of that same client education. Sometimes you need to have the doctor pop in to the room at the very end of the day and have that one-on-one or have the doctor have the capacity to at least pick up the phone and have that connection with the client, sometimes either for the patient's own good or for the client's own good, that is really a necessity. But I think that there's a lot of um, times where we waste an opportunity to leverage our team to do some of those discharges. And I think on the flip side of that, we lose an opportunity a lot of times um, to leverage the front desk team on the on the beginning half of a drop-off um, appointment and really use them to help do an intake. And so um, I have seen some clinics that have an amazing uh, drop-off process where they actually have a plan in place for how are they going to handle those drop-offs. So they have awesome drop-off forms that include a comp- a, a full history, the same kind of history that's going to get taken in the exam room. And this, the CSR teams have been trained not only how to print the forms and give them to someone else, but how to actually have that conversation with the client and get the pertinent information that those clients are, if we know what their presenting problems are, that we're utilizing resources like canned treatment plans where they're already set up and we say, okay, well, of course, we're going to start with having Dr. Sarah, take a look at Birdie today, um, and we will update you if there's any changes to this. But based on what you've told us is happening, these are some things that we may potentially need to do to take care of Birdie today. Is this, you know, and go through it and then say, is this okay with you? Get them on board with the plan before it starts, because that is an area where you can really cut down on the time and energy that it takes the team in the treatment room at the end of the day. And you could really leverage the front desk team to help out with some of that. Totally. If you really want to have exceptional communication with pet owners, it's a three-step process. Tell them what you're, what you're going to tell them. And then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. And that is how you get messages to sync in. In the classic exam room, it works the exact same way. The pet owner comes in. Hopefully the, I love the technicians. You know, I lean on my technicians. I want them to lay on the plan and then I'm going to come in and I'm going to go through everything and I'm going to tell them all the stuff. And then we're going to summarize their visit and tell them what we told them and give them a discharge report that summarizes that as well. And they are hearing, they, we're going to tell them what we're going to tell them. And then we're going to tell them, and then we're going to tell them what we told them. And in this regard, when we were doing drop-offs, they're not there for the center of this. So it's really is important that the front desk, tell them what we're going to tell them. And then we take the pet, we do the workup. We have to really think about how we're going to communicate that message and then that discharge uh, appointment or the even the on-the-fly discharge appointment where a technician comes out, they summarize what we found and hit them with it again. And I think the drop-offs are an area where we can really leverage technology to help us. So for the clinics out there that are using texting with their with their clients and they can send pictures, they can send updates, they can send messages. If you have a clinic app and you can send push notifications to your clients. I mean, this is where we really can utilize those third-party technologies in our practice to really one up the client experience and um, one up our presentation of client communication without having to tie up my doctors in the exam room or on the phone or any of any of my team for that that matter doing the communication um, digitally really takes a lot of the time out of out of that that's what I'm talking about too when I say raise the marketing and communication game mm-hmm. like anyone who's ever boarded their pet and gotten photos of their pet at playtime mm-hmm. knows it's this little emotional trigger. It's, it's, 
It's easy to do. The technology makes it easier than ever. Man, that stuff matters. It really matters to pet owners. It makes them feel like they're getting their money's worth and their pets are being treated well. So up your game, really make the drop-offs great. You mentioned the front desk and the front desk laying down the plan and being involved. I want to take that and go to the next step and talk about the front desk really shining. That's forward booking. Mm-hmm. Forward booking is something I feel I feel really strongly about. This is an area that I do not understand why vets, uh, vet clinics struggle so hard and we stay in the dark ages. So guys, listen to me. Forward booking is not hard to do. It makes a massive difference. Everybody that I talk to um, worries about the competing vet clinics in the area. And they're like, oh, but what if the pet owners go here? Or what if these people do a discount? Or what if their prices are different than mine? Listen, the competing vet clinics in your area are not your problem. Your problem is inaction. That is your problem. That is the problem in veterinary medicine as a whole. It is not that other vet clinics are taking your clients. It is that clients are not getting around to doing what's right for their pet. That is the problem. The the competitors are such a minuscule com- problem compared to that. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem is in action. And again, come from a place of compassion here. Put yourself in the pet owner's shoes. We are all busy. We all mean to do the things that we're supposed to do. The pet's not going to say anything if she doesn't get to go to right. the vet. Your cat is <laughs> not going to text you and be like, look, seriously, we've been putting this off. We got to get this done. It's not going to happen. And the cat appears to be totally fine. And this is wellness care that we're talking about. It is so ridiculously easy to not come into the clinic. Guys, it is time to flip the paradigm here. Mm -hmm. It is time for pet owners to have to get off their butts and cancel appointments, Mm -hmm. not get off their butt and make an appointment. Yeah. Like that is a, that is a shift that needs to happen. And we can, we can do confirmation. My my hair, hairstylist, my barber. I like, let's, let's, let's unpack that for a second. Just so everyone knows. It's almost a barber. They're like a step up from that. So they're not quite a barber, but it's not, let's move on from there. It's an Andy's, Andy's having a salon day. <laughs> it's, it's a hipster barber. Noted. Okay. That texts me to get me to, con- and I have to have an appointment. There's no walk-ins. So they text me to, to confirm that we have this appointment. That's what the barber shop is doing, guys, and you're medical professionals. And so book these things out ahead of time. When they come in and they do their wellness appointment, book their six-month next visit. Book their one-year next visit. Book it now and let them know how easy it is to reschedule, and we'll give you a two-week email reminder that you have this coming up, mm-hmm. and then we'll send you a text message reminder the day before. And if they want to move it, they can move it. Mm-hmm. But guys, it is easier to just get it on their calendar and they will they will build around the appointment they already have. Get it on their calendar. Don't make them reach out to you to make this happen. Make them reach out to you to stop it from happening. Put the and- burden on them to not do this thing, not the burden on them to do the thing. Yeah. I I think you're 100% right there. And I think that it's an area where we are really behind the times as a profession, like you said. I think we overall are very good. I don't, I haven't worked with a vet yet in my career where um, if they're seeing a pet, a sick pet, that they don't make the recommendation for the recheck appointment, whether it's three days, five days, 10 days, whatever. We're really, really good about that. Beyond a sick pet, um, within a week or week and a half period of making a recheck, we suck as a profession in terms of capturing that next appointment. What I'm talking about is not only the the wellness appointments, which um, is really difficult for a lot of clinics to wrap their head around because they're like, but it's a year away. Why would I would schedule that now? We don't have our doctor schedule in Avmark. We don't know, um, you know who's working then. We don't know what the client schedule is. How can we possibly tackle that? that that's like a whole other conversation, but I'm, there's a whole land in the middle between that one week sick pet visit and the one year preventive health visit that we fail to capture on a regular basis. I'm talking about um, when they need follow-up lab work in a month or, um, you know, we're, we're tracking an ongoing um, illness and we want to see how, how we're doing weigh-ins. We want to see how um, a pet is looking in a four to six to eight week period, 
a lot of practices are really good and the mechanism that they're using to remind themselves is to put in some sort of follow-up. But they're not doing it for the client. They're doing it for ourselves. That A is creating a whole lot more work for the team. And B, it's failing to put the onus, as you said, on the client. And so there is no reason why we can't flip that paradigm and say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and schedule you for, you know, Birdie's next appointment. Let's put something on the calendar because our our um, schedule fills up pretty fast. Then we know we have appointment. When you get home, go ahead and check your calendar. If that doesn't work, you can give us a call and we're happy to reschedule it. Or for my amazing, awesome, technology-friendly practices that are using tools like online scheduling and online booking programs, the clients can even go in themselves and change their appointment or request a new one if they get home and find out that it doesn't work. We are putting up barriers left and right to getting clients back in the practice and we have to stop it. Sure. I, I agree with that. Let's, let's end this discussion by talking about what happens when we legitimately are book solid, like mm-hmm. we have done everything right and we are just really booked. And then the true emergency comes in on top mm-hmm. of that. Besides throwing up your hands <laughs> and just crying what can we do when this happens? Oh man, this is this is a hard one. And this is where I really advocate that there has to be a plan in place for this because inevitably it's going to happen. And I know for some of our friends who are listening right there, they're thinking, oh yeah, yes, that was yesterday. <laughs> and you know, something walked in the door, we were totally booked and everybody went, okay, now what do we do? Do we, do we take a patient um, if it's truly an emergency, we understand if it's if it's bleeding out, if it can't breathe, we understand that every single one of you who's listening is going to take the patient to the treatment room and get them the care that they need. What I what I want to talk about too is um, those patients that aren't truly an an emergency because it's really easy to be able to go out into the lobby as a CSR and explain to the clients, you know, I'm really sorry, um, we just had a patient who was hit by a car come in. It's all hands on deck. Um, we're going to have a bit of a wait. We're happy to reschedule your appointments if you don't have the time to wait. We appreciate your understanding. I think every client understands when that's the situation. The The question becomes when it is a, a, a patient that is more um, urgent and not emergent and they do need to be seen, but the schedule is totally totally slammed. That's where your team has to have a plan in place. They have to know who's going to make the call, whether we see this patient or we, or we turf them to the ER, who's going to decide when we turn away a client. And if we turn them away, what's our protocol and process so that those clients don't feel abandoned. And I think that there are a lot of different ways that hospitals can go about doing this. Um, But I do think the most important part for me is that there has to be a plan and your whole team has to know what that plan is. So if your CSR team has the training and the ability to make a call um, and triage on on the phone, and there are plenty of clinics where that's the case, you have cross-trained staff, you've got... um, CSRs who used to be technicians and are now at the front desk, if you have someone with the medical training and the capacity to help make those calls, awesome. Nine times out of 10 clinics don't. They have um, medically untrained staff at the front desk. And so the question has to be, do they know who to ask, how to ask, and what is the plan um, that everybody on the team is aware of so that we're not ticking off clients and we're not risking patients' lives. And we're also not having the whole team go, are you freaking kidding me? We were already full. Why did we take this patient in? And having everybody be mad at each other at the end of the day. Everybody being mad at each other is a thing that happens. I think we've all seen that. Yeah. It does not help. It does not help anything. Yeah. But we have all seen the the techs and the doctors get frustrated with the front desk who they're just doing their job. And that's why they say front desk, poor front desk has maybe got the worst, the worst <laughs> job in a lot of ways in the clinic because they just get hammered by everybody. The clients are angry at them. The staff is angry at them. It's like, come on, give some love to the front desk today because they are amazing. So, all right, cool. The first thing which we have spent the majority of this podcast talking about do what you can to be able to absorb these things when they happen. If you have no scheduling plan, then you're much more likely to have this emergency come in on top of a fully booked uh, day. If you get emergencies, remember, 
If it happens all the time, it's not a surprise anymore. You get in these emergencies, try to put some flexibility in your schedule so that you can absorb them. Now, let me say at this point too, this is going to happen. There mm-hmm. is no way, there is no scheduling voodoo magic that will prevent this from ever happening. And so I spent a ton of time talking about balance and um, and not, you know, <clears throat> not working yourself to death and, and the importance of taking breaks. And all of that is always with the caveat of every now and then you're going to get stuck. You're going mm-hmm. to get pinched. And that is part of vet medicine. And we step up and we do the job and we mm-hmm. do. That should not be your life. You shouldn't live that way. When it happens and you do get pinched, 100%, the first thing is exactly what you said is, we've got to have some training in the front desk. Who do they talk to? What do they say? <coughs> Sorry. What do they say? Who assesses this situation and makes this call? Can we refer? <clears throat> is that even an option on the table? Mm-hmm. If we're fully booked solid and you can send it to the emergency clinic, we have had those conversations. For me, and I think this is probably true for a lot of vet clinics, our emergency clinic opens at 6 p.m., Mm-hmm. Which means if it comes in at 2 p.m. and we're booked solid and there's an emergency, there's nobody coming to help. Like mm-hmm. we are going to sort this out. Like mm-hmm. that is is just honest. If they come in at 5.30, we may say, look, we we do not have anyone available. And hopefully they've called ahead. Please, mm-hmm. if you're a pet owner and you're listening to this, for God's sakes, call. If you're coming <laughs> with an emergency, don't show up. Just just call. I, I, w- I want pet owners to know that. But hopefully they've called us and we can say we are slam busy. Uh, I would say more professionally that, but essentially we are slam busy. Mm-hmm. You need to go straight to the emergency clinic. It will save you money. It will save you time in the long run. Mm-hmm. Go straight there. So can we refer them? And if not, we're going to take them. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, there's a couple of things that need to happen. Number one, if your practice that sees walk-ins, the front desk needs to, and again, this is communication with the back. They need to know the back is at capacity. And so ongoing communication between the front and the back. And that's so a lot of different ways to do that. Um, it's, it's vital. Actually, we work with a, There's an uncharted practice that has a light system where when the, when the back can see more patients, they've got a green light up at the front. And then when they are just swamped, they have a red light that comes on in the, in the front desk area. Mm-hmm. And the front desk people, it's subtle. The clients can't see it. But the front desk can look and be like, oh, the back is full which means we need to go into holding pattern and offset pattern. And guys, I recommend, and this may blow people's minds, once this emergency comes in and you are jammed up, I want the front desk to go into restaurant host and hostess mode, which means when people walk in, I want the front desk to say, we're running a 60 to 90 minutes wait time. We are totally happy to make an appointment for you in the future, or you're welcome to wait. What would you like to do? Mm-hmm. But it is amazing to me how rarely walk-ins are told any sort of idea of a wait time. And I think we say it because we don't want to mislead them or we don't want to let them down. I think we mess up the expectations there and we get ourselves in trouble and people get frustrated. And a lot of times if you say to somebody, I'm a, I got to tell you, I, I am floored by how often the front desk will say it's 90 minutes to two hours wait. And the person's like, all right, okay. sounds good. Mm-hmm. And they just sit down mm-hmm. and then they're totally happy and they are totally fine. And I can't tell you how much less stress I as a doctor feel when I look up there and go, gosh, that guy's been waiting a long time. And the tech says, we told him 90 minutes and that was 45 minutes ago. And I go, oh, oh, good. Okay, cool. I'll get that guy in 20 minutes. I, you know, he, he, we're going to get him in a head schedule. Mm-hmm. And that pressure goes away because mm-hmm. that's been communicated. Mm-hmm. And to start to communicate, especially to walk-ins, we're probably going to have to communicate to our appointments, gang. Mm-hmm. We are probably going to have to let the next person who shows up and they have their pet and they're here for their three o'clock appointment. We need to tell them and they, not telling them is a huge mistake that I see vet clinics do all the time mm-hmm. and it blows up in their face. And people who have a three o'clock appointment and don't get seen and don't get seen, they do get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Guys, if you tell this person, listen, we have had an emergency come in and uh, we, uh, our doctors are tied up with this. It has been unexpected. I am so sorry for the inconvenience. I promise if it was ever your pet, we would make everyone wait for you. Guys, I've said that to so many pet owners. And the number who have not taken it well or not responded kindly, I could count on one hand. Mm-hmm. Mo- mm-hmm. They, they get it. But you have got to tell them we've had an emergency and it's going to be a wait. And I am so sorry for your wait. And then we give them options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give them options. 
I think um, another tool that we underutilize is the ability to, when we have hit that point, and okay, now we've taken in this this urgent or emergent case, um, to look ahead at the schedule and and cherry pick some appointments where we know the client, we know we've got really good goodwill with them, or it's a really simple thing that could easily move to the next day. Looking ahead, figuring out some of those spots further down in the schedule, calling them ahead of time, especially those ones that live right near the clinic and they're only 10 minutes away, to call them and give them the option and just say, you know, look, Mrs. Smith, I'm really, really sorry. We've had an emergency case come in. I absolutely don't want you to have to sit here in the lobby with Fluffy and Wheat. Would it be okay with you if I call when we've caught up a little bit and we're we're ready, close to ready for you and have you bring her over so that you guys can be at home instead of having to sit in the lobby to wait or to give them the option and say, you know, you could, you're welcome to come in for your appointment. I just wanted you to know that Dr. Rourke is running a half hour behind. Would you prefer to come in and wait or would you prefer for me to reschedule your appointment? Do the same thing for the clients that are in your lobby, but also look ahead at your schedule and see where you can build in some of those catch-up blocks for yourself if you're able to reschedule some of the stuff that that is routine and doesn't need to be on the schedule for today. This separates the Jedi Academy front desk from the from the 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 disaster zone. Uh, it, it it just mm-hmm. does. It's like the emergency coming in your door is like driving and hitting black ice. And all of a sudden through no fault of your own, you are you are spinning and sliding. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple options that you have. Too many of us take our hands off the steering wheel and cover our face and scream and hope that everything lands okay. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's I think that's the natural inclination that we have. You know what I mean? It's panic. We panic. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh my gosh. And we just we just hope everything turns out okay. The people who are at the top of their game, they know what to do. They turn into the spin. They do the thing. But that is calling ahead to tell people, we've had emergencies come in. We are running behind. Can we reschedule you um, for your convenience and make it about them. It's mm-hmm. not me calling again, positive versus negative framing. I'm not calling to say, I'm so sorry. I have failed you. I'm mm-hmm. not able to give you the two o'clock appointment. That was so perfect that you wanted so much. It's me calling to say, Hey, good news. I caught this. I'm calling to let you know this has happened. Mm-hmm. I want you to be comfortable. I don't want you to wait. I am here for you at your convenience. I am reaching out to see if you would like to reschedule. Mm-hmm. It's a bam. So get some of that weight of people coming in. Just get it off of you. Go to the clients that you have or the clients that come in. Be up front with them. Set expectations. And then give them options. Mm-hmm. Would you like to reschedule? Would you like to see a different doctor than mm-hmm. your usual doctor? Would you like to drop off? Mm-hmm. And the big yep. one that people forget about all the time is, would you like to wait? Mm-hmm. And people don't realize, guys, is there a difference between asking someone if they want to wait and having them say yes and choosing to wait and just not saying anything and making them wait. Yes, absolutely. Oh, good God there is, you know, I mean, you see it all the time. If I am just put, put in the waiting room and made to wait, that sucks. If I walk in and they say, it's going to be an hour, would you like to wait? And I say, yes, I am the empowered one. Mm -hmm. I am not waiting because you made me wait. I am waiting, waiting, because I chose to wait. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, that is a huge thing. So mm-hmm. give them options, mm-hmm. see what they want to do, and start working to dig yourself out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we talked about um, we talked about a lot today. We talked yes. about utilizing flex scheduling when it's totally nuts. How are we, how are we being flexible? Are we seeing everything on half hour blocks? Are we seeing a mixture of 15s, halves and 30s? We talked about saving emergency blocks or same day spots and giving ourselves some catch up time. Um, And we also talked uh, in that same vein about having walk in or catch up blocks for how do we, how do we handle the stuff that we know is going to come in Anyways, talked about negative framing, not telling people what we can't do for them, but telling them what we can do and how we can do it for them. Um, The totally underutilized tool of using drop-offs, forward booking our patients, and then having a plan for the inevitable. And you guys, it's summer. It's nuts. Inevitably, you're going to have that day where the case comes in and you're like, we cannot possibly take one more thing. What is your plan going to be? How is your team going to handle it? Oh yeah, that's it. That's what we got. I love it. I love, I love it too. It. Oh man, it's uh, 
big time, Steph. You know what happens next week? I do. I'm so excited. Staff drama next <laughs> week. I'm Guys, if excited. you did not get registered for staff drama, it is shut down now. Uh, we cannot have any more people coming, but you can still watch the live stream. So we are live streaming the main stage. There'll be a ton of stuff going on. We film the workshops and they'll be in our online school. Check out unchartedvet.com. Become an Uncharted member. Be a part of the magic of staff drama and all the things that will be coming after that. We've got intensive courses and webinars and workshops coming. We've got discussion groups coming. It really is the most supportive group that you could probably be a part of if you are a leader in practice. If you are, you know, if you're somebody, if you're a change maker, if you are uh, a manager of people, if you are an owner, we got your back. We got training for you. We got support for you. We got, we've got a friend group for you. We've got a network for you. It really is awesome. I'm super fired up because we're going to Kansas City and to make the magic happen. It just, man, I love this community so much. I just want people to know about it and be part of it. I am super excited. We will see you guys soon for those of us who are joining us in KC. And um, hopefully the rest of you guys can join us on the live stream. All right. Take it easy. See you soon. See ya.